the bridge right there. Keep the bridge in front of you.
Thank you. May the words of my heart and the meditations, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable and pleasing to the Lord. And all I can say is, Lord, help me right now. Um, my name is Linda Wilkie Pauley. I'm here today to talk about a program that's through the um, Wilkes County Court System. It's called the Guardian Ad Litem Program. It's a volunteer appointed by a judge to speak in the courts for abused, neglected, and abandoned children a voice for a child with no other agenda that presents information to a judge on a child's behalf. Statistics in Wilkes County, across the board, we are in District 23 through the judicial system. That encompasses Wilkes, Yakin, Allegheny, and Ash. Out of those four counties, there's over 300 children in care at DSS. In Wilkes alone, Last count was 209. Two-thirds of the children in care in District 23 are here in Wilkes County. 110 of those children are legally supposed to have a guardian. There's over supervisors and staff of the Guardian Ad Litem program are trying to cover the other 110 children who do not have a guardian. The logistics, and the strain on that, you can imagine, is a nightmare. We have 100 counties in the state of North Carolina. We are one of the worst per capita for children in care in the state. We are in the top 10. And other statistics I had seen was we were the worst. Think about that. 38% of the cases across the state involve drugs. 
children are taken due to drug involvement. Where in Wilkes, Mr. Blevins had stated in the newspaper that most all of the cases of the children being taken from their homes have drugs as a factor. So I ask you, spiritually, what does that mean? Why do you think we're under attack? I have asked the Lord why. I've, I've had a lot of conversations with him. Um, why the drug abuse? Why the deaths due to overdoses? Why? And I got one word on that. It was hopelessness. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Just a little background on my husband and I. We've been advocates for children since 1996. We had 10 foster kids through our home over a seven-year period. We also raised two biological daughters. Um, the last child that we got was seven months old. Um, he was very medically needy. At two and a half, we adopted him. And he has been the Lord's plan for my full-time job ever since. He is now 16 years old, and I, we can't imagine our life without him. After fostering the nine children, the first nine, I was in this sweet time with the Lord because we didn't have any children in the house. We weren't getting the phone calls. So I was in a sweet time of in prayer and in praise, and it was just this glorious time. And I was on, I sat and I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I sat and I said, and I remember crying out to the Lord, I want to do great things for you. I want to do great things for you. Right? It wasn't days after I get a phone call for our son. Um, soon after that, too, he reminded me of what I said to him. You want to do great th things for me? You take care of one child, one child. Greatness, I believe, is defined by our obedience to what God has for us and the love we have for one another. The Bible tells us that the greatest of these are those who serve, that those who lead must serve. And what you do for the least of these, you do unto me. James 1.27 states that religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows. So I ask you, we have in Wilkes one of the worst numbers per capita of orphans in the state. So I ask you, I ask you why. Go to God and ask him why. So there's the need, there's the statistics, there's our journey as a family um, and my calling as an advocate. So what's the solution? So I asked the Lord, what do you want me to say to these folks now? DSS, the court system, the probation system, all of it is overwhelmed. But that cannot be used as an excuse to do nothing. Look at what Joseph and Daniel did. In the Bible, in integrity and greatness, under governmental systems that were not ideal. It is frustrating and difficult at times because you're dealing with children who are abused and neglected. Is it difficult at times? Yes. 
Yes. Is it character building for me? Yes. And sometimes Christ-like behaviors just want to ooze their way out. I confess your sins one to another so they may be, you may be healed. Please help me. Is being a guardian ad litem worthwhile? Yes. Not only am I a part of helping a child, but it's the greatest thing I have ever done for God thus far that he can trust me with. I have a great marriage. We have good kids. And each step of the way, God is putting more and more responsibility on me. It's the greatest thing thus far that I have done for God. Chris Volatin quoted, The greatest miracles and the most powerful expressions of the kingdom are destined to happen in the worst places. Come, O oh Lord, and help our children in Wilkes County. Come, O oh Lord. And you know what the ironic thing is? I live in Yakin. I don't even live in this county. And it was a funny thing because I told the Lord, he was putting me over the lion's den head first and dropping me in. I know changes are taking place because I see the Lord at work. With confidentiality, I cannot give specifics because of what I do. He's pushed things through quicker. He, had, he calls out people who are not protecting children and doing their job. He's calling them out. He's provided loving homes for the two children over the year and a half that I've been a guardian for. I have the assurance that the Lord has me right where he has called me. And he has faithfully showed up and showed off. You want to see a great move of God? Let us get busy in helping others. A Bethel quote that I love so much is, Those with the most hope have the most influence. My confession of faith is, I will take Wilkes County back for the kingdom of God. I will. Even if it's one child at a time. Psalm 89.14 says, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. The psalm says that the foundation of God's throne, we find righteousness and justice. They go hand in hand, a package deal. That means righteous people will do justice. But what is justice? Matthew 25 is justice. Caring for the hungry, the thirsty, the homeless, the sick, the lonely, the enslaved is justice. And those actions are done by those who are righteous and holy. They understand their identity in Christ and they see injustice and they say, I so desperately want those who are suffering to understand love. They know that where there's injustice, there is no love. So doing justice helps you understand love. Doing justice means you find out how amazing love feels. When you do something to help someone who suffers, you've expressed your deepest ability to say, I love you. You found your deepest way to share your love. All that joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control, all the fruit of the Spirit suddenly come into play. And that's when you know that you're holy and righteous and you know who you are and you start living out that identity. God takes what is wrong and makes it right. That's justice. That's love. 
Now, this is a little testimony here. I have seen manifestations. I have heard the audible voice of God. I could go on and on. I love the Lord so much. I do. And I spend as much time with him as I possibly can. And I am so grateful for all of it. But the most powerful thing that happened to me was a couple weeks ago. I was on a visit. It's going to be vague because I can't give specifics. But I was on a visit with one of my children. This child was very devastated by what had happened, the disappointment that had happened that day. Normal behaviors would have been throwing himself down, bad behaviors. This child's in a loving foster home, in a loving special school environment for behaviors. He has felt love for the last couple months. When he was totally devastated, he reached up. And his little hand in mine, he took my hand and he said, Linda, let's go for a walk. He knew I loved him. But the most powerful thing was I felt the heart of God. I felt the love of God, the Father. And I can't even, exp I can't even explain that. It was powerful. God is love. Did you learn to love? Bob Jones. He's out here for a reason. We are the Lord's solution to what is happening in this world. We are. We are carrying his presence. I heard this. It's a Mark Twain quote, uh, quote and I loved it. There are two important days in a person's life. Two. The day you were born and the day you found out why. Being an advocate for kids is what I'm supposed to do. So why were you born? What were you called to do? And I pray. I pray. We have so many kids in foster care. Half the kids are parked outside the county in places because we don't have adequate foster homes or adequate guardians. We have a crisis right here in this county. I pray for some of you that you would help these children in Wilkes County. Thank you. Question. What are you called to do? ask that question because we won't be judged according to what we did in life, but rather what we were called to do in life. Imagine with me standing before the throne of God and a scenario like this occurred. Evangelist Anderson, come forth and give an account of your stewardship on earth. Evangelist Anderson, I, I'm not an evangelist. I, I, I'm an accountant. I, 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 I had an accounting firm. I had an evangelist Anderson. Where are the 347,566 souls I called you to impact in Asia, son? Where are they? 
I'm an, I'm an accountant. I, I had an accounting firm. I, I, I help churches. I help ministries with their, their finances. Son, where are the 347,566 souls in Asia I called you to impact? Son, where are they? Had you sought me, had you sought my face, I would have revealed this to you. Everything in regards to that man's call was burnt up before the judgment seat of Christ. Accountant Jones, step forward and give an account of your stewardship. Accountant Jones? No, I'm not. I passed for 35 years. I, I had a membership of 750 people. Accountant Jones, I called you to the marketplace. Had you done this? You would have significantly impacted two people. You and those two men would have helped churches with their finances, and those churches would have impacted 751,321 souls. If you would have sought me, I, I would have revealed this to you. And again, in regards to this man's calling, everything he's done in life would be burned up for the judgment seat of Christ. Sister Smith, come forth and give an account of your stewardship. tried my hardest to raise my children in your way. Sister Smith, I never called you to preach the nations. I never called you to go to other countries on missionary trips. I called you to raise three children. And let me show you the 1,579,541 souls those three children impacted. You sought me and you heard my voice. You were obedient to my call. Well done my good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord. So remember, in regards to the calling that's on your life, you won't be judged according to what you did. You will be judged according to what you were called to do. Amen. It was a powerful video, isn't it? It's amazing. You will not be judged by what you did, but what you were called to do. And what the Father's will in your life was. Thank you, Linda. That was powerful. And, uh, and also now, you need to know, if you want to get involved, see Linda. And um, I think um, there are others involved in our church as well. But 
Jump in if the Lord calls you to do that. Everybody doing good this morning? I want to finish up, uh, not finish up actually, but uh, I do want to jump into part two. How many of you were here last Sunday? And uh, there's some things I feel like that the Lord wanted me to continue in. We want to go a little deeper in some things, but um, we've got we to know this subject. And so, Lord, we just commit ourselves to you this morning. We, Lord, we need you. We need the Holy Spirit. Lord, apart from you, we can do nothing. But with you, we can do all things. And so, Lord, we just ask you to open our hearts, open our minds. Lord, we ask you to raise a standard in this place this morning. Lord, we ask you to, to break out, Lord, in this room. And, Lord, let the Father's will be established. Let your kingdom come and your will be done. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to turn with me, if you would. We're going to begin in Ephesians. And uh, just remind you what the... The purpose of the church is the purpose. How I many of you know what the fivefold ministry is? The the apostle, the prophet, what else? The evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. And uh, so, look in verse twelve of chapter four. We see, therefore, the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man. The fullness of the statue, the fullness of Christ. And then in verse 14, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Say wind of doctrine. By the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. So that's part of the, the role of the pastor, evangelist, apostle, teacher. But And then in verse 15, here's the challenge. But speaking the truth in love. That we may grow up in all things, who is the head in Christ Jesus. Well, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now. How many of you know that? And it's not everything as it appears. You know, there's another side of things. And it may look like something's happening, but it's, there's some more going on behind. And uh, we need discernment and wisdom. But there's a scripture in Psalm 40. It says, Blessed is the man who trusts or makes the Lord his trust. And does not respect the proud, nor those who turn aside to lies. I can promise you, in this hour, there are multitudes of Americans that are turning aside to lies. And uh, But for us, we want to be the man and the woman that puts his trust in the Lord. And God's going to have a people that love the truth, that walk in the truth, that shout the truth, that, uh, that lift up the standard of truth. How many of you would like to be one of them that lives in truth? I don't want to live in error. And we got to know what God's Word says about it. Now, Revelation chapter 13 confirms something. There's a time coming. And in my own opinion, it's just now this is my opinion. This is not thus saith the Lord. But in my opinion, we're there. And the Word says in Revelation chapter 13, where the beast, the dragon, that it was granted to make war with the saints... And for a short time to overcome them. How many of you know it says that? Nobody knows. You know that. For a short time, the beast will overcome the saints. And all, and it says this in Revelation. It says, all who dwell on the earth will marvel and they will worship and follow the beast except for a, a group of people that it points out. Do you remember who that, who that group of people are? All of those 
whose, except for all of those whose names have been written in the Lamb's book of life. And then it makes sure in that text that you don't misunderstand the Lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world. And so we want to get as many people as possible, their name written in the Lamb's book of life, right? That's the goal. Now, I ran across a prophecy. And this is all kind of gearing up. I want to, you know, try to get reconnected with what I was talking about last week. But I ran across this prophecy. And, and here's what it said. This is a time of speaking truth to my people. Those of you who hold back, when I lead you to speak, beware. I will not tolerate those who promote compromise in this time. This is a time of speaking the hard truths to my people. This is a time of rising up in my spirit and proclaiming my word. I desire the fire of my spirit and would fill your hearts and go forth into the world now. A holy fire that burns up all that is not of me. A holy fire is being imparted into hearts for repentance as you speak. Breathe out the fire of my spirit to the people and watch it spread. There is fire on your words. My people, if you will only use the sword of my spirit to bring forth truth to those around you. And that I, I just I take that personal. Listen, we can't compromise. It's too late to play church any longer. I mean, it's just not going to work anyway. If we try to play church, it's, go, it's just going to fall. It ain't going to work. With the fires that are coming, God's going to test the works to see all those things that were that He did, He initiated. And I can promise you, God's not playing church. He's real. His Word is serious. He's not just a fluffy Santa Claus where you wake up in the morning and say, God, give me this, give me that, bless me here, and bless me there. He's a God that demands our all. He said, if any man come after me, you got to deny yourself Take up your cross daily and follow me. And so it's really a serious time. Now I want you to look over in uh, Psalm 57. Say Psalm 57. You guys got to help me now. We're going to get caught up. I don't know if I'm going to feel the same anointing I did last week. I don't care if what you feel. I'm just going to preach the word. And let the Holy Spirit, because he said his word would never return void. But it sure is nice when you feel that anointing dripping off of you. I mean, if you know what I'm talking about. When you're praying, when you're teaching, whatever you're doing, you know, it's when you feel that dripping oil. But listen, we don't care. It, the just shall live by faith. And so it's not our feelings, it's by faith. Now, Psalm 57. He, he starts out in verse 1. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful. How many of you need a little mercy? How many of you are glad it's mercy is new every morning. And this is another morning, so we get to get in on it. For my soul trusts in you, and in the shadow of your wings I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed by. Verse 2, I will cry out to God Most High, to God who performs all things for me. You might want to just quote that and stand on that. Just say, God, I thank you that you perform all things for me. And then it says in verse 3, here's how he will do it. He shall send from heaven and save me. What we need is what heaven already has. And we need heaven to be manifest on the earth. And it is. And then he goes on, he reproaches the one who would swallow me up. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. Say his mercy and truth. And then in verse 4 he says the reason we need that is because my soul is among lions. I lie among the sons of men who are set on fire. And if you don't think men are set on fire in this hour, 
Just begin to speak the truth to some people. You'll see fire rage up. You'll see a hatred rise up. Whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue a sharp sword. But be exalted, verse 5, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. They prepared a net for my steps, and my soul is bowed down. They have dug a pit before me. Into the midst of it they themselves have fallen. How many of you claim that verse? You know the enemy set a pit for you. How many of you know that? He's dug a ditch. He's hoping you're going to fall in it. We need to stand on that verse. I'm not going to fall in that. No, the one who dug the pit is going to fall in before I get there. And so we got to believe, got to stand on that in this hour. It's important. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and give praise. Awake, my glory, and I will awaken the dawn. Verse 9, I will praise you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing to you among the nations. For your mercy reaches above the heavens and your truth into the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. Now, verse 10 says, Your mercy reaches unto the heavens and your truth unto the clouds. But God is exalted above even His mercy and truth because God is exalted above all the heavens and all the earth. His glory will be seen. When I read that, it, the Lord was just reminding me. You know, our hope is not just in the Scriptures alone. Our hope is in the God of the Scriptures. It's not just in the truth. It's in the one who is the truth. I mean, if you know that. Remember, Jesus said, you, you know the Scriptures. You're greatly mistaken because you do not know the Scriptures nor the power of God. And we want to know the Scriptures and we want to know the power of God. The Father's looking for who in this hour? Those who worship Him in what? Spirit. And they also worship Him in the truth. So we want both. Now, we want to pick up where we were last week. I heard someone say it. I heard it, some commentator. I don't believe most of the commentators today. I don't believe most of them. You know, that scripture, let God be true and every man a liar. Now, every man is not a liar. But there's a bunch of them speaking on television these days. And so, you know, my thought is, God, what do you say about it? What's your opinion? You have a greater opinion than what that commentator has. But I heard this term... And I believe it's happening. We're in the midst. I don't know if you guys know this. We're in a civil war right now in America. I mean, just put it that way. We're at war. It hadn't manifested yet, and I pray it doesn't, with bullets and weapons. But it's happening. There's a great war. I believe much of it is centered around the war on truth. And uh, because men have set themselves, they've turned aside to lies. And we've got to be those who trust in the Lord or make the Lord our trust. Now, last Sunday, I shared about how we were going to pray. There's an anointing that God wants to give the last day church. I believe we're living in the end times. He, there's an anointing for the church to overcome this battle that is waging against the truth. Remember, we talked about it. How many of you remember? But we didn't pray. So those that didn't come back. I'm sorry you missed it. No, no, you can still get in on it. But I'm going to pray today that God will give us this anointing. Say amen. amen. Say I want that. you got to have it, I'm telling you. Now, so let's go back to uh, John chapter 17. Follow with me in the scriptures. Some of the scriptures are, are on, the, on the screen, but some of them aren't. 
but John chapter 17 and verse 6. Jesus, these are words in red. He said, I've manifested your name to the men whom you've given me out of the world. And they were yours. You gave them to me and they've kept your word. Say they kept your word. That's a big thing. And then down in verse, um, verse 8, for I've given to them the words which you've given me. And they've received them and, and they have known Surely that I came forth from the Father, and they believe that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world. Let's skip down to verse 11. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those whom you've given to me. And then he emphasizes that a little further. Down in verse 14, I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Listen, our prayer should not be, oh God, come and get me out of this mess. No, our prayer should be, God, thank you that you're going to keep me in the midst of the mess. And you're sending me in the mess to straighten it out, to make a difference. Because he goes on and he talks about that. They're not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Verse 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your word, say your word is truth. And as you sent me into the world, so I've sent them. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. And so we want to be those who are sanctified by the truth, set apart by the world. Now, in that scripture, he gave them the Father's word. They received the word. I mean, if you know, you've got to receive the word. You don't just, you know, you're going to hear the word this morning. Well, that's good. He preached. I did my, my Sunday thing and go home. No, you got to receive. You know, you don't want to be the hearers only. You want to be those that are the doers. So you receive the word. We believe the word. And then we want to be those who keep the word. Not like those, remember, we talked about in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 7. They were those who said, Lord, Lord. Remember? And they did all these great works. They prophesied in his names. They saw all these mighty miracles. They cast out demons. But how did Jesus respond to them? He said, depart from me. I never knew you. Because even though they used his name, they did not do the Father's will. They didn't do what God had spoken to them. They didn't do what that video said. They knew what they were called to do by the Father. I'm telling you, it's a big thing. And... Uh, Religion has made the way much broader than it really is. We're going to look at that again. Now, remember when Lance Walnow was here. He said the next great move of God, he defined it for us. How many of you remember what it was? The next great move of God is, you remember, is to get you to move. Remember that. Now, that to me was profound because we're looking, we're waiting you know, I, I'm just waiting for the glory to split the sky and, you know, all this stuff. I don't care. Listen, that can happen if it wants to. But if we move out and do the will of God, the, the world's going to be turned upside down one way or the other. And so the next move of God is to get us to move. And that's exactly what John 17, even as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. I don't know about all these folks that call themselves apostles. I don't know about it. But I know without a shadow of a doubt we are an apostolic generation. Because the apostolic generation 
are those that are going to a fresh sending to do the will of God. That's why we're here. That's why people are watching by the web stream. We want to be sent. We don't want to be those that just went. We want to be sent, commissioned by the Father. And how many of you know, if you're sent by the Father to do the Father's will, you're going to be guaranteed success. It's going to happen because it's the Father's will. I've been praying this prayer, and I'm going to challenge you every morning. I've been envisioning, envisioning myself. Now, I'm going to go there. It's going to be more than a vision soon, but i got to do the discipline and the, the delight and all this stuff. But I've been envisioning myself walking into the heavens, going into the library of heaven. I believe there's a library, and, I, and I'm looking up at all these books. And there's a, Now, I know your days are written. They're numbered. And I know that, just like that scripture, we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So there's a book with my name on it. And so I'm reaching up by faith every morning, grabbing that book off the shelf, and I'm saying, God, by faith, just like John in the Revelation, I'm eating the book that's written, Your will for my life on this day. And Lord, let it be fleshed out, let it be worked out, and I yield to You, and I'm going to keep doing it by faith. And I'm just, I'm just challenging you to do it as well. But you know, we're in a great place to walk out the will of God. In Moravian Falls, North Carolina. How many of you know that? And we just touched on it last week about the history of the Moravians. And, and I said, no, I, I don't know if this is the exact spot. It's probably over to the east where Zinzendorf purchased. But he still, he purchased the land. And he said he, it was to be a base to the Americas for the preaching of the gospel. Now, whether it's to the east or to the west, this is a base. And our commission is to preach the gospel to the Americas. And we're doing it. Those guys are going to Haiti here in about two months. We're doing it. I just came back from Colombia. You guys are going to go. We're going to go. We're going to do it. We're doing it by way of web stream. But how many of you remember, if you read the story, there were a lot of battles around this land. A lot of contention. Well, what's new? Nothing's changed. So be encouraged. There were battles in Zinzendorf's day. There are battles in your day. But we don't let the battles stop us. We just press on. We keep going because God's called us to a great task. If you knew what you were called to, if you really could see what was written out about your life, it probably would frighten you just a little bit. But I'm telling you, it's written. It's there. And we need to read it. We need to be looking and go at it. Are you guys with me? I feel it's a little bit too quiet. God, shake it up in this place. Shake the people up. God, Lord, I'm going to preach this with all I got. I'm going, to, I'm going to go for it. God, stir this place up. Send fresh fire in this place this morning. Lord, I know there's a few empty seats. That's going to change one day. It's going to change soon. All we need is God to shake the nation just a little bit. And they're going to come running, looking for hope, looking for answers. All right. Okay, let me find some answers. Look at Second Peter. We've got to go back there. Say Second Peter, chapter 1, verse 19. Now, look at this. We looked at it last week. I want to go back and review and, and look at some things because we need to be rooted and grounded in the truth. And the part of the fivefold ministry is purposed so that we'll be no longer tossed about by every wind of doctrine. Verse 19. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, 
which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. Now, we saw that there are prophetic words spoken over our lives, spoken over this place, spoken over this ministry. And we would do well to heed that word, to hang on to it. Don't toss it aside. Hang on until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. You see what I'm talking about? See what he's talking about. There's the prophetic word. And then in verse 20 and verse 21, he talks about the prophetic scriptures. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. How did the Bible come to pass? Did somebody just decide one day to wake up and, you know, I'm going to write a story of all that happened? No. The Holy Spirit moved on them. The Spirit of God breathed on them, and they were moved by the Spirit, and they wrote the Scriptures. And we have those Scriptures today. But then in chapter 2, verse 1, we're reminded of another type of prophecy. There's the prophetic word. There's the prophetic Scripture. And then in verse chapter 2, verse 1. But there were also false prophets among the people. Do you know, there are no really, in the original text... It, this is really not chapter 2. There's no letter or number 2 there. It just goes right on. So this is all in context. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there would be, will be false teachers or teaching among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord. Now, how, you remember last week. How do you deny the Lord? Okay, somebody puts you on a chopping block, and they say, okay, if you don't deny the Lord, I'm going to remove your head. That's one way. But what's the other way? Matthew 7. If you deny the Lord's sayings, if you deny His Word, then you've also denied Him. And we saw that there are many examples in the Scripture. Remember, they called Him, Lord, Lord, but they did not do what He said. And in essence, they denied the Lord. So... Many, it says in verse 2, say many. Many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. So how many of you think this is probably a serious scripture? It's scripture. Many, I wish that wasn't true. Many will follow their deceptive ways. Now, we just touched on it last week. But, the, you know, modern-day Christianity, I don't know, it, no. Modern-day religion in America has made the way really broad to get to heaven. Jesus made the way really narrow. How many of you remember that? He said, broad is the way that leads to destruction. And how many are going by that way? Many. Many will go by that way. But narrow is the way that leads to life. Difficult. It says difficult, which is the word hard. And how many are going that way? Few. There are few that find it. But anyway, verse 3 says they will come with deceptive words. Now, here's a deception. I've heard it said that God doesn't send anybody to hell. I've also heard it said that God doesn't judge anyone. True or false? You guys are the choir. We're going to preach it in the heavenlies. Because there's folks out there that believe this kind of stuff. 
So let's look. Chapter 4. I'm going to show you. It all sounds good. Lovey-dovey Christianity is not the Christianity of the Bible. I'm convinced many have recreated God in their own image. We don't have time. You've got it. There's already, he's already created. And he gave us his word. Now again, it's not that our hope is just in the scriptures alone. It's the scriptures and the power of God. We want to be a people of the truth and a people of the spirit. And we want to walk in love. We want to preach the truth in love. But look in verse 4. For if God, now watch this, God did not spare, say did not spare. He did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell. Now the word hell is the word Tartarus in the Greek. You know what it means? It means the deepest abyss of Hades. To incarcerate in eternal torment, basically it means to cast them down to hell. All right, so God did not uh, spare the angels, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. Then he gives another example, verse 5. And did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight. Now that sounds like a narrow way, doesn't it? Only eight people made it. Only eight. God didn't spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight. A preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly. And then verse 6. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them. Now we need to stop there for just a moment. We'll, we'll come back. Now did Jesus come to condemn the world? No, he didn't. I interrupt that. Just, you already know it. You, he didn't come to condemn the world. But why did he come? Well, look, yeah, that he'd be saved. But he also came to a world that's already condemned. He didn't have to condemn. But look in verse uh, John 3.16. You know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes should not perish but have everlasting life. What's the next verse? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be what? Saved. But don't stop there. Read the next verse. He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned. He is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. He even defines it. That the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Verse 20. For everyone practicing evil hates the light. Have you noticed there's a growing hatred Toward anyone walking in the light in this hour. Let me tell you. If you start walking in the righteousness you're called to walk in. You're going to attract some flies in this hour. And they're going to, they're going to want to devour you. Now they're not going to devour you. Because greater is he that's in you. Than he that's in the world. But if you're not hated. You're probably not a son of God. I'm just telling you. If you even desire to live godly in Christ Jesus. You're going to suffer persecution. We're going to see that in America. God's going to raise the standard of holiness and righteousness. And he's going to divide this thing that never was of him. They only created him in their own image. But he said, he makes it plain. But he who does, in verse 21, but he who does the truth, says does the truth. He comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen. So let's go back now to that, that scripture. Second Peter. All right, 
For God did not spare the angels. Verse 7. And deliver, now look at this. Well, no, no, let me back up. Verse 6. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction. Now this is what's really tough. Because some people would say, well, that's all pointing, you know, to the Old Testament, those angels that sinned in Sodom and Gomorrah and Noah. But look what he says. Making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly. What does the scripture say, that other? It says, whatever happened beforehand happened for our example on whom the ends of the ages have come. But he didn't stop there. And delivered, say delivered. He delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. And that's where we are right now. How many of you feel oppressed sometimes when you turn on the news and you see what's happening and you can see the lies? It's like they're just speaking lies. It's just like right wide open, looking right in the camera. It says in verse 8, For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. And so they see what's going on, but God knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the, the, pun, or reserve the unjust for the day of punishment. Now look, look what it says what God did. Number one, He didn't spare. Secondly, He cast them down to hell. He delivered them to chains of darkness where they were reserved for judgment. He did not spare. He brought in on the, the, the world the flood. He turned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes. He condemned them to destruction, and then he made them an example. So I ask you again, does God send anybody to hell? The obvious is yes. I don't care what religion says. i got to show you one more thing. You guys with me? Because I used to preach this too, because it sounded really good. I'd tell people, God doesn't send anybody to hell. Man, you send yourself. Well, now, there is truth in that. Obviously, you reject it. But I want to show you something. One more thing. Matthew chapter 10. Say Matthew 10, verse 25. Somebody's got to make a little noise in here, guys. It's, it's a serious stuff. Come on. My goodness. If I'm going to preach this stuff, you've got to help. All right, verse 25. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they've called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? Therefore, do not fear them. For there's nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Boy, we need to shout that right now. One day, we're going to know the truth about what was covered up. Every scandal that was explained away and forgotten. We're going to know what Susan Rice did one day. I'm just going to tell you, it's going to be known. We're going to know what's really going on in Syria. And I pray that our president would awaken, that somebody would get to him and tell him the truth. There's stuff going on that's a little bit opposite of what the whole world is in agreement with. If the whole world's in agreement with something, there's a good chance something's fishy in Denmark. You know what I'm talking about. Not just Denmark, or Denmark it's fishy in, in America. It's fishy in Washington, D.C. But let me go back. I don't want to get too much in that because I don't want to give too much. Listen. When men turn away to lies, what we are to do is put our trust and hope in the living God. Get ready to proclaim and get ready for the greatest harvest that this nation has ever known. It says, don't fear them. Verse 27. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. 
And what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetop. And now watch this. And do not fear those who kill the body. Can they kill the body? Well, where were we? Let's read the rest of this. Verse 28. Do not fear those who kill the body, but they cannot kill the soul. Say they can't kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Who is him? God. Have a holy fear of God. One of the problems is America's lost the fear of God. The church in America has lost the fear of God. They don't fear God. He's a loving, yeah, and he is loving. I'm going to talk about that next week. He's incredibly loving. Unbelievably, you'll never be able to fathom the depths of his love. But he's also, there's the goodness of God and the severity of God. There's the judgment of God and the love of God. And we have to shout both. And then verse 29, are you not, are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And he says, verse 31, do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Therefore, verse 32, whoever confesses me before men, him I also will confess before my Father in heaven. Verse 33, but whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father in heaven. So let's go back to our text there where we were. Everybody still with me? I hadn't gotten anybody off track, have I? Don't get off track. Don't think about the news. Don't want... Listen, there's all kinds of stuff going on. If we don't know it all, who cares? We don't have to know it all. If you know the one who is the way, the truth, and the life, you know it all. You know, you know it all. If you know God, that's enough to do great exploits. You'll be strong in this hour. You will be as part of the overcoming crowd than the crowd that gets overcome. Now remember... Righteous Lot, he was rescued and he was delivered. Now, as we approach the end of the age, truth is going to be blasphemed, rejected, denied, hated, resisted, and ignored. How I many of you know that? There's also going to be people that are going to love the truth, follow the truth, defend the truth, trumpet the truth, lift it up. There's going to be a banner, lift it up. We touched... On Rick's book, The Final Quest, and how God showed him that there would be in the heavens, or in heaven, God would issue medals of honor for all of those that love God and love His truth more than their own lives. And those who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. And they were willing to suffer for truth, for righteousness, and the salvation of men. Now, truth is being assaulted. We shared this last week. Remember... Somebody called me and they told me, have you seen Time magazine? Remember the front cover of Time? You remember what it said? Is truth dead? And then I, I opened up Time magazine and started reading it. And yes, to Time magazine it's dead because they just butchered it. They butchered it. They destroyed it. And they're presenting a false reality. Proverbs 23, 23 says what? Buy the truth and do not sell it. Because I'm telling you, it's going to be valuable in this hour. It's going to be valued. Buy it. Don't sell it. And walk in it. Now, how are we going to overcome this? That's what I wanted to get to. Go with me back. We have to look again at Isaiah 59. Say, Isaiah 59. All right, I'm not going to read the whole thing we did last week. But... Uh, 
Notice in verse 13. In transgression and lying against the Lord and departing from our God, speaking oppression and revolt. That's the world right now, speaking oppression and revolt. Conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood. Justice is turned back and righteousness stands afar off. For truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. So truth fails. And then look what happens when truth fails. And he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. So those that stand for truth are going to come under assault. Then in verse 16, it says, The Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no intercessor. And so he raised up intercessors. And then in verse 17, For he put on righteousness as a breastplate, and a helmet of salvation on his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing. Do you see that? The garments of vengeance. Much of the American church believes that God took those garments and He put them up in the attic. And He no longer puts them on anymore. That's not true. He still, He changes not. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. And God has garments of vengeance. Verse 18, according to their deeds, He will, according, He will repay. Fury to his adversaries and recompense to his enemies. And then verse 19, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. And here's that question. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise a standard against him. Now we, we just barely touched on it. What is the standard that God's going to raise up in this hour? Number one, the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. The world is going to know that he still has those garments of vengeance. Okay? The ungodly. He's still going to judge. He is a judge. Justice, mercy, and truth. Loving kindness. All of these things. Now, we're called to shout the good news to those that are condemned so that they will not be condemned. Right? And that's, that's our purpose. And that's what we're to shout. But first of all, the standard is the fear of the Lord. Here's the second standard. Verse 20. The Redeemer will come to Zion. Say the Redeemer. And so there's redemption. God will raise up a standard of His redemption. The cross is the only way. There'll be no other way out of this mess. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The only answer is the cross. The blood of Jesus. There's no other way. So we're going to get to preach that like we've never shouted it and preached it before. And then here's another standard. So there's the fear of the Lord. The Redeemer, and then look in verse 21. As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. My spirit who is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, nor the mouth of your descendants, nor the mouth of your descendants' descendants from this time forth and forever. Amen. So what's the third standard? The word of the Lord, as we rise up and speak and declare it with love, with truth, And with boldness. Today, you know where my daughter is, Emily? She's in Honduras. She's in Honduras. Somebody gave me a word as we were praying Thursday night that Emily is now walking in the second generation, the anointing, because I've walked, I've been to many, many mission fields. We've seen people saved in many places. 
And now Emily, even though she's there doing a medical mission, is in the second generation fulfilling, walking. She, I told her the other day I asked her to call me before she left. Emily, I got to tell you this word that was spoken. You're walking in the second generation. You're going to walk in the anointing. People are going to come to Jesus as you're giving them a shot. They're going to shout out, I want Jesus. I don't know how it's all going to unfold. But I'm telling you, it's, there's something about this generation. And we, he said, you're, the word that I put in your mouth will not depart from your mouth, nor the mouth of your descendants, nor your descendants' descendants from this time forth and forever. And so the standard is people standing up and declaring, thus saith the Lord and the truth. And then one more, raising up the standard, chapter 60, verse 1. What is it? Arise and shine, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For the darkness shall cover the earth, but deep darkness, but the glory will be seen upon you. And Gentiles will be seen or will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. And so the fear of the Lord, the Redeemer, His spoken word, and His glory is going to be seen over us. So go with me now. This is where we ended up last week. Or at least we spent a lot of time, but we want to go back. And I want to pray that this anointing would come upon you. First John chapter 2. First John chapter 2, verse 18. Tell me when you get there. Okay, 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. Little children, it is the last hour. And as you've heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. Verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. Say, I know it. And that no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He's the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. Verse 24. Therefore let that abide in you which you've heard from the beginning. If what you've heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He has promised us eternal life. These things I've written to you concerning those who tried to deceive you. But, say but, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true and is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you will abide in it. Now, little children, abide in him that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed at his coming. Now, in that scripture, there's a whole bunch of things that we'll just review and then I want to pray. But first of all, in verse 18, one of the proofs that we're living in the last hour is not only the last day, but the last hour is the spirit of Antichrist will be make himself known in the world. Now, how will he make himself known in what is called the church? He will through deceptive teachings, false doctrines, winds of doctrines. And so the church has a responsibility to recognize that not we have to test the spirits to see if they are of God. How I many of you know that? We don't just receive every spirit that comes along. Every angel that shows up to you. If an angel shows up, you need to somehow test that guy. Hey, listen, how do I know you've been sent truly from the Father? That you represent the Son? I mean, you just got to 
got to know this kind of stuff. Test the spirits and, uh, and put them to the test and make them prove them who they really represent. From the Son of God, the Lamb of God who was slain from the foundation of the world. I want to know, are you, do you represent the Lamb of God that was slain from the foundation of the world? If you don't, get out of here. I don't want anything, I don't want to hear anything you have to say. How many of you know that? You want to, man, you got to put this stuff to test because they're going to be showing up. Especially in the last day church. Alright? Verse 19, God is getting people in their appointed place. Now we won't go back there, but verse 19 says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they were of us, they would have stayed with us and all this. And we saw that doesn't mean they were not of God. It's just they were not of us. And God is arranging, getting people in position so that they are among the crowd that have the same fire that they have. And they're ready. The same calling. The same purpose. The same anointing. So he's doing that. And one way he does it is by turning up the heat. So that you can't stay unless you really are part of you're supposed to be. And he's getting us in place. It's not condemnation. We want to be in the right place. And then in verse 20 and verse 21, the anointing which you will enable you to know the things that you have need of, and God will give you what you have need of at the right time, at the right moment. And then number four, the anointing is a specific gift. It's an unction designed for the challenges of the end of the age. Now, I've known that the anointing is that unction that enables us to do what we've been called to do. You know, raise the dead, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, preach the gospel, all these things. There's also an anointing for living at the end of the age. To recognize what is of the Antichrist and what is not of the Antichrist. How many of you know that? So if we know it, we need to stir it up, confirm it, pray it, receive it, believe it, walk in it. Amen. Because you're not going to be deceived. I had to prophesy over you. You will not be deceived. Though all men may turn to lies, we will trust in the Lord our God. And then the anointing comes from the Holy One. It doesn't come from man. Man is in agreement. We lay hands, we're in agreement. But it comes from Jesus. And there's something to that Holy One. Holy One. I'm telling you, we've got to be holy. Got, there's no room for compromise. If you're going to walk in this kind of an anointing, you've got to walk in this holiness that we're called to. And that is by dying and letting him who is holy live his life through you. It's the only way it's going to happen. Only way. You'll never be holy without him. He is the holy one. He sets us apart unto himself. When we die to self and we say yes to him, holiness is a natural byproduct. How many of you know that? There's a, his holiness. He's holy. And then verse 22 and verse 23, denying the son, you've also, you also denied the father, but also if you deny his teachings, you've denied the son. And then verse 21, a clear distinction between truth and lies. People are going to be offered the lies in this hour or you'll be offered the truth. And we have to choose which one we're going to choose. Now, I want you to see this. We'll come back and finish up, but look over in second Thessalonians real quick. Second Thessalonians. We got to see this. I referred to it, but I want you to see it in black and white. Say black and white. 
Man, I'm having fun this morning. This is one of those times that you, I feel like I'm battling. I'm battling. This is great. Folks are going to get saved. Folks are going to get delivered. I'm telling you, when you're in, you feel like you're in a battle. It's the time when most folks are going to get set free. When you think you got it all together is when folks, most folks don't think you're boring as a wishing well or something. You know what I'm talking about. I'm just telling you. This is it, guys. This is it. This is what you're made for. Some of you feel so weak. Good. You are. But when you're weak and you boast in it, you are strong because he's your strength. He's the strength of your life. And he's going to show himself strong to a people. Now, look at that. All right. Second Thessalonians. Are you there? Chapter two, verse nine. The coming of the lawless one is according to all the working of Satan with all power, signs and lying wonders. How I many of you know they're going to be lying wonders? That's why you better not just wonder, you better know him. You don't want to wonder if you know him. You know him. You know the truth. He'll lead you into all truth. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. So not only do you have to hear the truth, believe the truth, you've got to receive the truth. What happens with those who do not receive the truth? Look in the next verse. He says, and for this reason, God, say God. Now, this is in the New Testament. God will send them strong delusion. And so this is the one they tell us doesn't judge anymore. Okay, this is the one, you know, just a big fluffy Santa Claus just to bless me. No, God will send them strong delusion that they should do what? Believe the lie. Do you know why many people in America are believing the lies that are being trumpeted every day? God has given them up. He said, I'm giving you up. Now, that's why we got a little opportunity to preach the truth and let the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, there's a harvest coming out of the left. It's going to blow our mind if we could see it. I'm telling you, God loves the left. He loves them. And he's going to raise up those that can speak the love of God. The gospel is going to be preached with power and conviction because he wants to deliver them out of that. Verse 12, but those who re reject the truth that they may be condemned, say condemned, who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Verse 13, but we are bound to give thanks to God always because of God from the beginning how he chose you for salvation through sanctification by the spirit and by belief in the truth. In verse 15, therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or by epistle. And so we're to hold the word. Remember, we said last week, we talked about Jude, that there's this gospel which is once and for all the truth once and for all delivered to the saints. Now, just a couple more things back in, in, in John. The anointing, in verse 26 and verse 27, the anointing will enable you to escape deception. I've given you this anointing, especially because of those who try to deceive you. And then, to the degree His anointing abides in you, is to the degree that you're going to abide in the truth. And then, verse 28, we have confidence. We can have confidence and not be ashamed at His coming. How many of you want to have that confidence? How many of you know he's coming? There are trumpets that are sounding in this hour. And the Lord is coming. He's going to break through. So, to avoid deception, we've got to hear the truth. Say, hear the truth. Receive the truth. Receive it. 
Believe the truth. Walk in the truth. Remember, here's a little Second John 4. I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth. You notice anything about that verse? Some of your children. Some of your children. I'm not satisfied with that. I want all of my children walking in truth. And how many of you know that's the heart of the Father? He's not satisfied with some of them. He wants all of them walking in truth. And then we're to love the truth. If you love the truth. And then be it. Now, this is good. You have to go back later because I'm not going to go there today. But Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 2. Jeremiah chapter 9. It talks about those who were valiant for the truth on the earth. God's raising up a generation of young people. They're going to be valiant, defenders, overcomers. Those who will stand for truth to the utter end. They will not back down. They're valiant for the truth. They will prevail in this hour. And then we're to speak the truth, especially to our neighbor. You know, Ephesians 4 says, Let each one of you speak truth to his neighbor, for we are members one of one another. And then James 5, Brethren, if anyone among you wonders from the truth, and someone turns him back, let him know that he's turned a sinner from the evil or the error of his way and will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. So how many of you know we have a responsibility here to tell the truth, to rescue them out of the error and we'll cover a multitude of sins and deliver a soul from death. And then John 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And then we must remember that truth more than anything I've said this morning, if you forget everything, truth is what? A starts with a P. A person. Jesus. Listen, you're not going to figure out all the things going on in the world. In fact, you're going to you may want to just turn some of that stuff off because it's awfully confusing. It really is mind boggling. You you will be caught off. Listen. It's a person. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. Amen. You guys are warriors. You endured to the end. But you're not just going to endure through this end. You're going to endure to the other end. Okay? That's my goal, is that we endure to the end. Jesus said, he that endures to the end shall be saved. I wonder if he was joking Maybe he didn't mean it. He's a little bit too harsh. Or maybe he meant it. How I many of you, what do you think, James? I think he meant it. I used to look at that verse, it would scare me. Because I'd say, God, will I make it? How many are going to make it? And I felt like the Lord said to me, now, you need to look at that in a positive light. Listen, I would have not, I didn't say that to scare you to death. I said that to give you hope. There are going to be multitudes of people that endure to the end. Those that endure, you get ready. They're going to endure to the end. And they're going to be saved. So I'm going to believe it. Amen. So we need to pray for this anointing. How do we do it? I'm not going to forget today because next week I'm preaching on the cross. Billy Graham's coming. You're going to invite people. How many of you will invite someone? I'm telling you, it's powerful. I don't know when Billy Graham is going to pass. But when he does, watch out. Some of you, I shared that dream. We have the keys. Remember? How many of you remember what I'm talking about? So he gave me keys. I'm, I'm here. You have the keys too. 
So we're going to get ready. It's not going to be long, but he's given us a time. So just stand up and let's, I want to pray. Everything else, this is it. Lord, I pray. Just put your hand on your heart. How many of you say, I want that anointing? Okay. I never saw that before. There's an anointing to overcome the Antichrist at the end of the age. I want that anointing. And the Antichrist is all the lies and deception and counterfeit and all that stuff. So anyway, I don't know if we have time to learn all the ways of the counterfeit. We're going to minor in the devil. We're going to major in Jesus. We're not going to major in the counterfeit. We're going to major in the real. So, Lord, right now we pray as the saints of the Most High God. In the name of Jesus, everyone that's in this room, everyone watching by way of, of the, the Internet on the web stream. Lord, we pray for an anointing to because of the deception in this hour. God, we ask you for that anointing on those who try to deceive us. Lord, pr I pray right now that we would receive a love for the truth, that not only would we be saved, but God, we would be those who defend the truth, those who speak the truth, those who walk in truth. God, I thank you there will be multitudes walking in the truth. And we declare that over our families, over our children. Father, as we're remembering that scripture, we thank you that our children, that we not only, the word of the Lord will not depart from our mouth, but it will not depart from the mouth of our descendants, nor the mouth of our descendants' descendants from this time forth and forever. Lord, we break the cycle of lies and deceptions. And as for me and my house, as for our descendants, we will love the truth, walk in the truth, be delivered by the truth, and we will stand for truth in this hour. So, Lord, I thank you. We receive. I impart it. We impart it. The anointing comes from the Holy One. But, God, I just agree with your word right now that everyone would receive this anointing and overcome the spirit of Antichrist and every deception. Because, Lord, we ain't got time to figure all these deceptions out. There's so many in this hour. You said many. There are many. So, Lord, thank you. We don't have to focus on that. We're going to focus on the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. And Lord, if we follow you, sing like I said, you would lead us, or you said you would lead us into all truth by the Spirit. So we thank you. Now, this came to my mind. Father, to any degree any of us have believed any deceptions, to any degree that we have made God in our own image, but it's not the image that you are in. We right now pull that stronghold out of our mind. We pull it out. That thing that has exalted itself against the knowledge of God. We pull it out. We cast it down. We say it's not going to have any more room. No more room in our minds. And we thank you. We cast it out. Hey, let's do it for our children. Lord, we break off any deception. Any way they've, our children have made God in their own image or they've received some belief that wasn't really not a belief. God, we break it off. We cast it down. We shatter it now in the name of Jesus. And we thank you. Now we thank you. Now we need to pray. If there's anybody here, anybody watching by web stream and you've never put your trust in Jesus. I don't know if all this makes sense if you don't know Jesus. You know, it's just, but right now if he's stirring in your heart, and you don't know if you were to die this very day, something happened when you walk out this morning. 
and this was your last day on earth, if you can't say that you know that you know that you know that you would spend eternity in heaven, this is your day of salvation. You can know without any doubt. You say, I believe that Jesus is the Son of the living God, that He died on the cross and that He rose from the dead. If you confess your sin, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord of your life, the Bible says you will be saved. But you've got to repent. You've got to turn your life over to Him. Listen, time is running out. I don't know how much time we have. We don't want to predict because those who predict always miss it. No one knows the day or the hour. But what we do know, He's coming. He's coming soon. And so you right now, this day, can know without any question that you're saved, that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That's those who will not follow the deception, those whose names are written in that book. So we want to pray right now. Let's all pray it out loud as a reconfirmation of our faith. But if you want to know Jesus, you're watching or you're in this room and you want to know him, just repeat this after me and mean it in your heart. Say, Dear God, I believe in Jesus, that He is the Son of God, that He died on the cross and He rose from the dead. And I confess my sin. I repent of my sin. And I ask You to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I believe in You, Jesus, and I receive You by faith. I make you the Lord of my life. I choose to follow you from this day forward. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with power. Give me the anointing. Fill me with fire to live for you in this hour. I thank you that you saved me, that you filled me. Now help me to confess you before men in Jesus' strong name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Hey, we're going to be around the altar. There will be people praying if you need prayer this morning. But God bless you. Have a great day and great uh, Sunday afternoon.